0: Now the opportunity is if we're able to make it through during that time, I think that we're going to be able to position ourselves super well when there's a rebound because there's always going to be a rebound.
1: Welcome to The Road to CEO, the podcast where we go deep with CEOs about their journey in business. I'm here today with my man, Rob Chavez, who I've known for years, who's been a friend of mine and a mentor in business. This is a great guest for the Road to CEO podcast because he knows everything about business, management, (laughs) investment, innovation, leadership. Let's get into it. Rob, welcome to the show.
0: Will, thank you, man. Now I've got a lot to live up to with that intro.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. well, no, I didn't want to take it easy on you. Cool. Because, you, but in Bring all seriousness, in all seriousness, you do know a lot about business. You have been, you know, you've been in business for a long time. You've you have advised me on things, and so I actually I'm really looking forward to to, to talking to you about this. How long have you been in business? Like, how long have you been a CEO? See, I've been
0: let's, I've been. As an entrepreneur, self-employed, right at pretty much right out of college, right? So it's yeah. been 20, 20 some odd years, 22 years, something like that. 21, 21, who's counting,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, counting.
0: Um, and as a CEO of this business, it's been since 2005, right? So I started, you know, in the recruiting business with somebody that, you know, you know, a good friend of mine,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, Brock and... You know, in this business, in 2005, I was like, "Hey, I need to. I need to really build a real estate business. It's, it's yeah. like my calling, right? Something in me says that this is the direction I need to take my life. So, but I've 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 never relied on anybody else for a paycheck except for <laughs> a brief time, like you know, like while I was in college, and then while mm-hmm. I maybe six months, eight months out of college, but I was mentoring under an entrepreneur a business owner that whole time Mm -hmm. and um and i loved i loved him and i i I essentially said the only reason why i would want i'm leaving is because i want to go build my own thing Mm -hmm. and um he said okay i i understand i felt super guilty about it because i love the guy and um
1: So let's let's pause for a second and and let's go back a moment. So um so what business were you involved with that guy where you felt guilty about leaving? What what was the nature of his business?
0: He was in the insurance business. Okay. So uh, you know, the way I would describe describe him is he is the Dan Gable of insurance. Like hard, no, he's the damn gable of insurance, just meaning he's the best of the best of the best of the best, right? And, um, and I worked for him while I was in college. He wrestled, right, for American University. He was an alum. That's how I met him. He gave me a shot when I was in college to essentially work in his accounting department. Not because I was great at accounting, but because my accounting professor recommended that I go work for this entrepreneur who she said would, you know, I reminded her a little bit of him. Um, maybe it's because we're both short. I don't know. And uh, she said, "Hey, you should go work for him." I'm like, "I'm not doing great in your class." She said, "That's not the that's not the point. You've got something, and he has something, and I think you need to meet him." And so it just happened that I already knew him because he was an alum, yeah, uh, you know, for for AU, and and so it was easy. So I went to go work for him while I was in college, and then um, and then I I got to see what his world looked like, and that hooked me. Right? That and did
1: you did you that see that? And, and did you see that kind of as an, an apprenticeship to an entrepreneur?
0: Oh, yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. The way I, the way I looked at it. And in fact, I'll, I'll, even go back even further. There was another gentleman on my team who his dad owned a b- bunch of commercial real estate. He owned a restaurant. He owned a beauty shop. Like he owned a bunch of different little businesses. And I asked my friend o- over the summer, whether or not I could intern for his dad for free. Right. And his dad lived like two hours away, or like an hour and a half away in Frederick, Maryland. But I was hungry to learn from business people. Um, and, and, and remember, I was a psych major. Um, I just had had seen what business was capable of doing while I was in college, because I, I, I started getting surrounded by these people that owned things and built things. And I love the idea of owning things and building things. And so I was just hungry to learn from other, other entrepreneurs. So my first apprenticeship was to go work for this other gentleman for free, completely for free. I did it for a summer. And then, uh, and then the next year, I worked for Alan. He paid me, right? And, um, and then I worked for him while, while I was you know a little bit out of college. And I really got the bug from him. I saw how he treated people, how he cared, how he built the business. Um, I learned so much from him by just watching. And, and then I wanted to do that. I wanted to, you know, replicate what he had done. Hard to replicate what he's built. He's amazing, right? Amazing. Um, but I'm working at it. So,
1: well, so, um, yeah, you are working at it. And so why don't you describe your business right now? So, so, you know, and maybe the one you started 2005, I think.
0: So, so the business that I started in 2005 it was it was an investment, a real estate investment business. That was purely I was just going to buy investments to create positive cash flow because I'd been in this other business before 7 years prior where every month we started at zero and I didn't like the idea of starting at zero every single month. I wanted to build something that had recurring revenue to it. And along the way I'd been buying real estate and and really caught the real estate bug, so by 2005 I knew that we were probably going to go through some kind of real estate recession only because it it felt like a rational exuberance, which is what I'd gone through in 2000, uh, in the year 2000 in the tech boom. Mm-hmm. So it felt the same way. It's not because I understood how to read the tea leaves. It just, I saw people making decisions based purely on emotion, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: said, okay. I, I turned to my wife, Kim, and I said, babe, I, real estate is calling to me. I want to build something for our family that creates reoccurring revenue. Uh, I believe in that. Uh, the issue is, I think that we're going to go into some kind of correction in real estate. Now, the opportunity is if we're able to make it through during that time, I think that we're going to be able to position ourselves super well when there's a rebound because there's always going to be a rebound. And so um, so that's what happened. So we got in we started buying a lot of investments two hours away from where we lived because the numbers just didn't make sense where we were. We avoided the whole crash, you know, that that occurred for a lot of people because we were in a submarket that had really not gone through the same kind of peaks and valleys. And um, and I was buying small cash flow property, really learning the game. And then by 2008, when I looked up here in Northern Virginia, everything was on sale. Right, every house was a foreclosure or a short sale. Mm-hmm. And, and I started buying with uh, a friend of mine that had a lot of he had a lot of cash, and it was my first partnership that I I really developed. Uh, we bought some properties earlier, student some student rentals um, in like two thousand six, two thousand seven together, and those worked well. So when I approached him about these other properties that had peaked at three hundred and fifty, and now you could buy for about twenty, and the rents were fifteen hundred dollars a month, and. You know the rent to purchase ratio was amazing. We just hadn't seen it in a long time. I just happened to mention the idea, and he said, "I will fund you if you find them and you fix them and you manage the project and you manage the asset over the long term." And so that's what I did, and it was really a blessing, right? Because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know I I met somebody that um, was willing to take a chance and do that, and it, it helped us build wealth in our life. And so very thankful for my buddy Rich, who who was part of that process right
1: yeah that, that's really that's really exciting and it's interesting to me because i think you you and i both founded companies and became ceo of companies that we founded and i often think and i remember thinking this early on that the best thing i did was picking the right horse you know i picked mm-hmm. you know digital marketing for me and within digital marketing it was google that i focused on and you know the growth in those areas is so much, and and then you know when I mean everything that happens along the way, it's like more money gets pushed into the digital space, more responsibility, more expansion opportunities for somebody that's specialized in those areas. And I feel like it sounds like for you, you picked something you're passionate in with real estate, but you also picked something where you you were kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. I know you said you you weren't reading the tea leaves, but you did think there was a a correction coming, and so yeah. you saw like some type of an opportunity is that so you know is, is that accurate to say that you really you know thought hard about that like you're going to build something where are you going to build it
0: 100 i i just started asking myself the question what happened was i had house hacked a house right that's what they call it right house hacked the house when i was like 25 24 what does that mean 25. so what that means is that I bought my first house, but yeah. I moved people in. I moved in tenants. So essentially, they were paying the majority of my mortgage. And I was 24, 25. And that's when it hit me. That was like the lightning strike. See. And I said, wow, I control this piece of property. They're paying my note down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm building equity and they're paying off the debt. I was like, this makes this concept have just made a lot of sense to me. And then I started exploring more and reading more and reading more and and I fell in love with that concept right and um I was hungry for it because i I love the idea the concept of if you do if you do if you do something today and you do it well that you can get paid for it forever right
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I know that things always get disrupted, right? Technology can get disrupted. You could build a company today, it's doing well today, and then boom, another technology can come in and, and con- disrupt it. It just can right? But there were certain things, and, and part of this, by the way, during the dot-com boom, there was a lot of companies that got a lot of money that I invested the little dollars that I had, and I wasn't being guided by anybody, and, and those businesses went to zero. I didn't even know that. That was possible. I was like, Businesses go to zero, right? I uh, and so I learned a lesson. I said, okay, I want to buy something where nobody could take it away from me unless it's my fault, right? Yeah. And and real estate seemed like a very tangible thing that hey, nobody could take it away from me if I own it, if I control it.
1: That's interesting. Nobody
0: could take it away, right? Uh, because I had money taken away and it just went away. It just evaporated. And I was like, that's possible, right? How is that possible? Of course, you know, I was young and foolish and uh, and all the rest. Uh, and I knew better, right? Like I understood about investing in the S&P and things like that, but I'd put a good chunk of money into individual stocks and yeah. lesson learned. So it's funny how those things influence you later in life. Like people that went through the Great Depression were yeah. influenced massively, right? To turn off the lights and save their money, and you just don't know. And so, that that crash influenced me. I'm like, I want something that I can touch, I can control it, right? And um, yeah, nobody could take it away.
1: Yeah, that that's really interesting. Um, I went through a something of a similar experience where I started a software company and you know, I'm not a software developer. And so I was, so I raised capital, but, and I, and a lot of that capital was spent on hiring software developers. And the business was, it was an okay business. It was eventually acquired, but I didn't like that feeling of building a business that I didn't control, that I couldn't, not just that I didn't control, but that I, that I couldn't contribute enough to the core value proposition for and so and and then kind of came my my wrestling influence you know as a former wrestler you know I wanted something where hard work really paid off financially and paid off in a business sense and mm-hmm. so after that first business for me I wanted to create a business where if I got into trouble and it was a challenging time like for instance right after covid in you know march 11th or so of last year when the the who declared the pandemic you know i lost uh, you know a large number of accounts had to go on pause in a, in a situation that was completely unforeseeable from a from an ad agency ceo perspective mm-hmm. but hard work could deal with that you know you could say okay well you know what i'm going to work twice as hard to i'm going I'm to be twice as smart i'm going to i'm going to take the lessons learned and, you know, and, and really come out of that stronger, which is what happened. But it, it's interesting because you're, you're right. You go through these experiences and you learn from them and they, they really do affect you.
0: Yeah. You start, you start, what's my blind spot. You know, it was interesting. Yeah. I was, um, I, I'm on the board of directors for a, a national organization that has like 50,000 members in it. And, um, we were doing a SWOT analysis in February, early February, maybe late January, and on that threats part, we didn't put down pandemic, right? And the majority of their revenue came from advertising dollars.
2: Yeah.
0: And, you know, but it was really cool to see people that take action, that don't yeah. like crawl under a rock. They, they took action, they cut budgets, they, they thought strategically, they talked to their stakeholders. Um, you know, I equate it to somebody, you know, in, in wrestling, just coming after you, like they're being aggressive and and you've got to, mm-hmm. you've got to step forward and be aggressive too and be strategic and, um, you know, and attack as well. And I, you know, I, good entrepreneurs don't hide. They, you know, yeah. they've, they, they find solutions to problems um, and they don't delay. They do it straight yeah. away. I mean, when the pandemic hit, like we were all action, all action. Um, yeah. Cause that's all you can do. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess the opposite is you wait and sit, And, you know, you're going to get hit by a bus if you just kind of wait and sit and we're not wired that way.
1: We're not wired that way. And I will say not to be mean to other CEOs, but I do know that there are CEOs that took that route and started making changes four months into the pandemic and they Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of hold off. And, you know, some people couldn't help it because maybe they're a part of a franchise and so they don't have certain control over all aspects of their, their strategy. But, but other businesses, I know, um, you know, people wanted to just kind of hold off and see what happened. And, you know, I think, I think what that, you know, during the COVID situation, uh, mostly that was negative because it was, it was something where they may maybe they took a gamble that it was going to be all over in two months or three months. And really yeah. we're going, we're past the 12 month mark now. Yeah. So it just kind of put them behind. So I think that wrestler standpoint, that wrestler approach pay, would have paid off for almost yeah. all of them.
0: Now I, w- I will say we were lucky. We're in real estate. Real estate didn't right actually benefit sure. right from mm. it, but your industry, there was a major pivot, right? Everybody kind of shut yeah. a lot of their spending down. I mean, I remember yeah. so it must've been a scary, challenging time. And it's a testament it was. To, to, to say like, okay, how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? Right. Um, I think that's the the kind of the lesson there is that yeah. in every business there's going to be you're going to get punched in the face and you're going to have to figure <laughs> out how am I going to change my tactic? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Right? You're not. Hopefully, what happens is you don't get knocked out. That you've been smart. That you have enough cash reserves. Right? That yeah. you can move quickly enough. That you can be uh, creative enough to think of other ways to create yeah. revenue. Like I started watching people in the news that were creatively you know they were a manufacturer of frisbees and the next thing you know they're creating ppp face masks i'm like brilliant right like that's somebody late at night saying how can i take what i have and take this lemon that i've been given and make it in the lemonade and that's the power of ingenuity that's the power of creativity and this power of a good ceo that's going to shift when something happens
1: right well you know so just to talk about that for a second i um you know i remember right when covid hit i thought to myself you know i really you know 5 years from now 10 years from now i don't want to talk about how i went out of business because of covid i want to talk about how i overcame that made it through survived, came out stronger on the other end as a business. I want to take care of my team. I want to, you know, I want to do certain things. And I actually do think that, and there aren't that many moments like this as, as a, an entrepreneur and a CEO where, you know, there, there are a lot of tiny moments that I think we can be proud of and that we are proud of. And, and then there are some really big moments. And I actually think that this is probably one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is that my company took a big hit. Early on. Um, and and it was actually only because about 30% of our clients had to pause. Like they were, they simply were shut down by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then other clients, for the most part, stayed the course. Like they didn't, you know, you know, they they kept their advertising, they wanted to keep investing in their growth um and and try to to mitigate the the impacts of COVID as much as they could. but but for me, the ones that paused. It was a substantial amount of of clients that had to pause. You couldn't blame them and I wanted to help them as much as possible. Uh and then but the thing I'm most proud of is is, you know, taking care of the team and uh and actually you know, recovering from a revenue perspective um you know, before the 12 months was over. So, mm-hmm. essentially we were able to grow through the pandemic um you know, in many ways had to have been the most challenging thing for me, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it and it's interesting because we're still in COVID. I mean, it's not you sure. know it's hard to it's hard to say I'm proud. You're proud of it, frankly, because it's like are you you know you're you know you're it's, it feels like you're you're popping champagne way too early.
0: Well, at least there's a known. I think part of it is we now understand um, yeah. what we're in. We didn't Correct. know what we were in before, so there's a lot of fear with the unknown. Like that's right. How bad is this going to be? What what is it, it going to look like? Um, yeah. And so we can create a lot of fear in our own mind.
1: I agree with that. I agree. And yes, it is, you know, we're still in it. We're still, there's still, you know, there's still unknowns, but, but you're right. It compared to the unknowns of March 11th, 2020, um, you know, it's a totally different world we're in. And we, you know, we, we see a lot of things. We've got the vaccines, we've got people taking them um, all of that. So, um, so that, but that um, segues, well, into a question I really wanted to ask you, which is, what are you? What's something that you're proud of as as CEO? Like, do you do you have something that you think of as you know your the thing that makes you the proudest of what you've accomplished in you know your your hundred years as CEO?
0: <laughs> I think it's it's helping um, our team members build wealth uh, in their life. That that I can look back now a decade and say, wow, you know,
2: yeah.
0: that family has. Positive, positively been impacted by what we've done and what we've built, and th- that brings me the most joy when I see people grow professionally, financially. Um, that makes me proud, right? I-, I love that, and and it's the journey of this constant, never-ending improvement. The cycle of like learning, right? Getting knocked down, learning from that, getting not you know learning from that negative experience, and then getting back up, and then. And learning some more, and it's just that cycle. Yeah. Ray Dalio talks about that cycle of you're never, you're always going to get to another peak. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to learn from getting knocked down. You're going to move to another peak. And so there's this evolution yeah. that happens, and that's part of the journey, right? That so I enjoy learning and I enjoy growing, and it's a game. And so I'm I'm, I'm figuring out how to put the pieces together, the right people together, the right systems yeah. together to play the game. That's part of the fun for me. But the thing I'm proud of is, is watching how it's helped other people move their life forward.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So if, if I had met you uh, and you were looking to hire me back in 2005, Mm -hmm. um, when you were just starting with this company, you know, you'd had experience, you'd been, you know, had other roles, but, but versus if I met you 2021 and you wanted to hire me, what, how would you be different? Do you think?
0: Well, in 2005, I would not have tested you, right? So now I'm I'm big into understanding, like, what makes everybody tick, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we'll put somebody through what we call the KPA. It's an assessment. It's only a portion of it. I would make you take the five love languages to see, like, what you, you know, how you receive love, believe it or not, is that
1: is that literally the, like the, like the marriage counseling thing.
0: It is, it is. There's one for business too. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but it's for me, it's about building teams. Right. So I need to understand how you receive um, love, right. How do you receive recognition? Like, is it quality time? If it is, that's one that I'm not the best at because I'm, I'm busy. Right. Yeah. So I know I need to slow down and provide more quality time and and provide more space. Or if it's words of affirmation, then I need to make sure that I'm, I'm providing lots of words of affirmation. So I would, I would not have understood that I, it would have been more intuition. Right.
1: So, so you would have, um, so, so these are things that you've learned, you know, you, you, this is really all about knowing your team, I think, is that's that, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, because what happens is if I take an assess if if you take an assessment and you there's a lot of questions that, that are asked, I can understand what 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 you value, what no. causes you stress, um, what seat potentially you would fit best on. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be good or bad at a role, right? But I understand more about what makes you tick. Yeah, then I'm gonna look at your grit level for our business like how gritty are you right, right. Uh, if you're an agent i need people that have a high level of grit um if you're in operations right i also need somebody because of our environment that that has this constant never ending improvement mindset right that we're always going to be improving that it's never perfect that it is day 1 right like as jeff bezos says in amazon like it's like hey we're 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 every day we're starting over, right? Cause the, the market is always changing. So the, the biggest thing is I would spend more time assessing people and understanding whether it's a good fit for them yeah, as opposed to whether or not it's a good fit for me. Right.
1: Oh, it's interesting. Yeah.
0: That,
1: that, yeah. That, that's an interesting distinction. I hadn't articulated it quite that way. Um, but I do along the, my journey, I, I, I started realizing that, um, you, you need people's goals to be aligned with yours, sure. you know, and if you'd find that, then you're no longer trying to get them to do something. They're just going to do it uh, because that's what they would be doing anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting about the assessments too. So I probably don't do enough of that, but, but we do the strength finders yeah. uh, assessment, which I believe is, um, I can't remember the name of of the person that they put that together but they, maybe buckley or or something like that um but you know th- that's one where you know you're you're looking at uh, you know uh, not somebody's you know weaknesses but you're you're looking at like what are what are they really good at and what what's are they
2: mm-hmm. yeah what are
1: they, what's their superpower and again it's kind of the approach is you know we want them to do the things that they would be doing anyway that come naturally to them. And if it doesn't come naturally to them, then then maybe it's a different role that would be more suited. Um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I, feel like I've had kind of a, a similar evolution. Um, and, uh, so, so what other ways do you feel like you were different back when you first started this company that you're with now?
0: Man, I, I, I didn't know anything, right. It's, yeah. um, You know, I, you hear this a lot with entrepreneurs, like if I had known how hard it was going to be, right. Or if I knew what I was getting into, I would not have done it. I would have done it anyways. Like I I think you would have done it anyway. I I would have done it anyways. Right. But you hear that a lot because many times you just jump in completely naively. Yeah. Uh, and for us, I think the big, biggest education was understanding all the numbers, right? I just had a gut feeling that this is what I should do and that I was going to be able to figure it out. But we didn't budget for it properly. We didn't plan for it properly. We didn't put anything into a model I was just like, seems like a good idea. Let's go do it. Right. right? So what I would do today is I would sit down and say, okay, does this make does this make financial sense? What does the performer look like? How many clients would I need to get? What is this, What does this look like? What would be, you know, what do my expenses need to be? I, I mean, I was clueless, 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 clueless. I,
1: I was too. And, um, but I'll tell you the other thing I wish I had done differently was I would have done certain things much faster you know, much faster, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know you've, you've maybe said something similar to that I've heard over the years, but, but I, for me, you know, I would have hired a little faster. I would have had a little more faith in the growth of the industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what some of it comes down to, frankly, but even without that, I would have, I would have just moved faster because, because there are certain things, you know, that, that, you know, you kind of tap the, tap the brakes on or, or you know, tap your feet on and you could just get, start running.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah I think the biggest thing is um, for me, it's finding a mentor that's, or, or finding a business owner that's already built what you want to build. Yeah. Right? If you're not, not going to go revolutionize something like Elon Musk is
2: sure. not
0: going to go find somebody to, to yeah. learn from on these things. But my business is a mature business. And so there was plenty yeah. of people out there that had already built it. So seeking out those people and saying, okay, how do I how do I cut five years, you know, and make it happen in five months, right? Yeah. Six months. Help, help me do that. I, I wish I had done that faster, right? Yeah. Instead of trying to figure it out and then eventually realize, oh wow, I could have done this a lot faster if I just talked to the right people, asked the right questions, went out and and put myself out there and not be afraid to ask questions of people that have built it before before you. So, yeah. um,
1: do you have any memorable? Uh, this is a, always a fun question. Do you have any memorable failures as a CEO? Anything, oh, yeah. anything you want to share on that?
0: Man, I got a lot. I got a <laughs> lot. Well, I think the biggest for me was when we started the business. We essentially we 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 grew in the. We started doing too many things at one time. So what happened was I would buy these properties, Mm. I'd fix them up, and then I would sell them to other investors turnkey. And then the investors would say, hey, this is awesome, but can you manage it for us as well? And I was like, "Mm, sure, we'll manage it, right? We were like, we'll do it, right? Mm. So we started managing these assets. And then simultaneously, I got my license Because somebody said, hey, I can't give you a referral fee unless you're licensed. So Mm -hmm. now here I am doing this development work, which was a lead one that I was doing. Then we moved into this. We were simultaneously building this property management business. And I I I was having my wife run that business. And I remember thinking, well, that's hers. So that was a mistake, by the way, saying that's hers and not paying attention to it. Yeah. and then and then starting the dabble in this agent business so I was doing all three of these things simultaneously uh, but not really well right I agree. and so one day we woke up and realized because I had not been paying attention to one of the businesses that there was a massive issue in that business that I had to go in fix we ended up selling that business we made money on the sale of that business but I remember being like I remember we worked at that business for five years and worked and my wife busted her butt on that business for five years. And the juice wasn't worth the squeeze at the end of the day. Like we yeah. we sold it. We made a little bit of money on the sale of that business. Yeah. And we were like, wow, it wasn't worth it from a financial standpoint. Now from a knowledge standpoint, irreplaceable. It's what set me up to be able to do, you know, buy the investment assets. Right. I see. So almost like, going to college right learning and paying a lot of money for that education time yeah uh, and then and then being able to use you know my knowledge to, to do something else so it wasn't until I shut that down yeah and I stopped doing uh, as much development work and focused more on building an agent practice yeah that f- helped investors and builders right churn property that we started making a lot more money so it was the yeah. power of focusing on one thing And it doesn't mean you can't set up other divisions. It just means that maybe you are not the one to set up those other divisions. Once you've got that one machine that's operating, it's rock solid. Then you could say, okay, let's set up another division and let me find the right who to start that, right? And then hold that person accountable. I was doing all of it. So you can imagine I was stretched, right? Property management, I was getting my hands in there, development and agent, and um and we were doing it all we were working so hard we were making a decent living um but it was you know it was um most people would have burnt out like i yeah. think my mentality is like i was just groomed to be like work harder yeah. and i was i i was okay with it um but my wife who was my business partner was like, listen, I never see you. You work all the time. Yeah. Uh, you're always and and so that my most memorable mistake is doing too many things at one time yeah. and it's taking away from my family, which yeah. we had to correct. I had to fix yeah. that, and yeah. we fixed it, right? We fixed that, which I'm incredibly proud of that we fixed that. And we that's great. Shed a couple of divisions, and then we we got better and bigger and badder, right? Yeah. All in the process. So saying no. Right to things is a very powerful thing as a CEO that you learn over time.
1: Yeah, I I think all all CEOs have to be able to relate to that. Uh, I'll be surprised if if other folks can't relate to it because, you know, I I certainly do. One of the ways I've tried to deal with it, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, is you know I try to think of things as uh, you know dual purpose. So if there are two reasons to do something you know, one of them might be money, one of them might be revenue. Like that's a legitimate reason, but then there's gotta be another reason beyond that somewhere, you know? So like for, and in my, my business, because I run digital ad campaigns, you know, people are always asking if I can build them a website or, or if I can do uh, design something for them like a flyer or something that another ad agency that that's a full service agency might, might do. Um, Most of the time, that kind of thing is a mistake for me. Like it is not a good idea for because it's not advertising to build a website like that Mm -hmm. is it's related to advertising. But if if the only reason to say yes to that kind of request is revenue, then then, you know, the rule one of the rules I try to have is uh, that I would say no to that. It's got to be okay. yes. It has to be okay, revenue and it does help with an ad campaign, or yes, and it somehow helps us measure an ad campaign, or or you know, something, something to that effect where there's there's always two reasons that remind us why we're doing it and and it supports the rest of the agency. Um, you know, so and, I,
0: and I, I would even say you don't ever take that on. You partner with yeah. somebody that does that extremely well. And there's a great little book called Built the Sell. Yeah. You ever? I, read, I love that it. book. I okay, love, you,
1: you may have. You may have even been the one to tell me about it. Um, yeah. It, it's it, yeah. I, I consider that to be maybe the most important bit book. If I only had one book, uh, for building a, a, a services business, it's got to be that one. It's so a great book. Why, why don't you, you t- tell us a little bit about it?
0: Well, it's a what st- well, First and foremost, it's a story, right? It's a story of, of, uh, of an entrepreneur that's struggling. And yeah. he's doing too many things at one time, and he's scared to let go yeah. of any of the revenue pieces because he sees that if he lets go of one of the revenue pieces, that everything else is gonna fall apart, right? But during the course of the story, he, he learns the thing that he's best at. What's the superpower that he does? And by putting more energy into the yeah. superpower of what he does, like it, 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 like increases his business like a hundredfold, right? And yeah. he's happier. He gets more time back. He, he makes more money. And it's this whole notion of being able to say no to those things, right? And say yes to just what you're best at. That sets can set an entrepreneur free, right? I, I, I remember know. reading that book and saying, this book like does such a great job of telling yeah. a story. And many times I'll talk to young you know, entrepreneurs, CEOs, business owners, right? And I'll realize that they're struggling with that piece. And I get them to just read the book. I'm like, Hey, I think you should read this book. Uh, Because it's easy for me to tell them what they need to do. But if they if they learn it through themselves through a story, then they're like, Oh, you can see yourself in the story, and then realize, I need to change what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So I hope I recommended that book to you it's a great book.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm going to give you credit for it. I don't remember if you did or not, but I'm pretty you may have. I think um, I might only because, you know,
0: you know, you're your digital. Yeah, it it's appropriate for you.
1: So Yeah, I agree. It would have made it would have made a lot of sense. So I I have a feeling you probably did. Um so um you know, the other thing about that book that is so great is that it really also teaches you that, you know, by working in your business, in some ways you decrease the value of your business. You know, if you're the owner of the business, if you're the CEO and you're doing just about everything, then, Oh yeah. You know, maybe you are maximizing revenue in some ways, but you're decreasing value. You know, you know, your business is not sellable if you are the, if it depends on you. And so you, you truly are stealing value and, and wealth out of the company. If every problem that comes up, you're solving. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought that was a really interesting way to motivate yourself to to not grab every problem to solve and to, to let other people grow.
0: You know, what's really interesting about building a business is I think most people jump into the wanting to build a business because they want control over their time, right? Yeah. They want control over their future. Interesting. Their paycheck. And yet what happens is that they end up spending – If they don't learn this lesson, they end up spending all the time being the chief bottle wash, cook, waiter, doing all of it, which is the struggle with most self-employed people Yeah, because they, uh, and then they spent, so the very thing that they wanted to get back, which was time and control over that, they're spending more time than ever in that business, right? And so they need to ask themselves the question, you know, who can do this job? Right. Uh, Dan yeah. Sullivan just wrote a really good book called "Who Not How," uh, probably one of the most profound books I've read in a long time.
2: Right. And
0: and in the book, it's you just you don't ask yourself the question, "How do I fix this?" or "How do I do this?" You ask yourself the question, "Who can do this? Who's uniquely skilled to do this?" Right. Yeah. And through the power of collaboration, uh, transformation occurs. Right. Yeah. And so. I think what happens is and I think it's a, also a, it might be in will, okay so will wrestled i wrestled like we know we you guys probably know that right one of the issues that i see sometimes with that mentality is we're used to taking it all on ourselves yeah. you're like hey if it's going to happen it's cuz i made it happen right but i think that we have to learn that no no it it you build great teams around you yeah. And the team makes it happen. The system makes it happen. The people make it happen. It's, it shouldn't, the business should not be about you. The business yeah. shouldn't be about me. It should be about service standards. It should be about um, the client experience and it should be about the team. Right. And so I think a great yeah. exercise for a business owner is to, is to, to essentially exit the business. Right. Yeah. Uh, take, you know, a year off. Right. And be like, Did my business do better or worse, right? Sometimes I think people discover this accidentally where a medical issue happens or something occurs in their life that forces them to step out. And what happens is then the people around them, if they've selected great people around them, step up and take over the business. And then then the business owner goes, wow, this thing operates without me. Right. And my wife had that epiphany with her property management business. Her father passed away. And when her father passed away, it consumed, like she went to go take care of her dad. And she had to leave the area, go, you know, go to um Arkansas, like where where he was. Um, or I think it was St. Louis at the time. At the time. And the, you know, Dana and Stephanie ran that business. Um, and Kim came back and discovered, wow. The systems worked and the people worked and I uh, was just inserting myself in areas where I didn't need to insert myself in.
1: That's fascinating. That's, that's fascinating. I, um, yeah, I had uh, on a smaller scale, I think I had a similar thing happen where there was a, a health issue in my family. I didn't do as much and, you know, not by choice, but, but, and, and I was, I was kind of amazed at how well mm-hmm. things went, you know, and, and and this was earlier on before i'd even really built all the systems that, that i rely on now and and i hadn't really thought about that but that is i think that probably is a real epiphany moment for some people may, maybe yeah. even accidentally
0: you have to have some system you have to have systems and you yeah. have to have people in place and then you got to get out of the way and let people lead right yeah. the whole purpose is to let others lead
1: let, let me ask you this what is the most important metric uh, that you like to look at in your business for measuring success
0: in well, in our business, from a, a profitability standpoint, if I know if I need to look at just one number, it's the number of listings taken, right?
2: Okay.
0: Uh, if we're hitting that number, everything else is going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is the number that drives everything else. Right. So how many listings are we taking now? If I need the reverse engineer to get to that number, it's how many, Listing appointments. Are we going on? Mm-hmm. Because that will translate into the number of listings that we're taking, right? So I, I could I could go back and say, okay, how many listing appointments have we have we created in the last week, in the last you know, in the last month? That, that yeah. would be the number. But yeah. the number I'm always paying attention to is okay. We've got a goal for listings taken. Are we on track or off track? Yeah. Right? The middle of the week, I'm always looking at the appointment number. Are we on track? on Wednesday or off track for the number of appointments that we need. Yeah. And then uh, the on the 15th of the month, I'm looking at, are we on track with the number of listings? Are we halfway with the number of listings that we need to take?
2: Yeah. Right.
0: On the 15th of the month. And if we're not, if we're off track, then we institute what's called the 15th protocol. We do everything we can to get mm-hmm. back on track because that's the number that that matters. I see. There's a lot of other numbers that we could track, but th- that, you know,
2: there's an unlimited
1: yeah there's an unlimited number of of things that you could track i mean that's the problem so yeah. it, so it sounds like you've really narrowed it down though so that's a, that's a that's very interesting
0: we've obsessed about which numbers make the difference in our business and uh, and it's no surprise you, like it's yeah. you know th- this information is already out there you just have to ask yeah. other people that have been doing it a long time and they'll tell you hey that's the number I great see. then i'll track that number
1: interesting yeah so um for me, uh, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's the net promoter score, which mm-hmm. is how many, you know, do, do your customers want to recommend you to somebody that they know is in need of your services? You know, they, they somebody could either be positive on that. They want to do it. Somebody could be neutral on that. Meaning they they like you but they don't like you maybe enough to to recommend you uh, or they could be negative they could say you know so there's really just three you know negative one zero or one and for, so so the implications of that for me are I want to overinvest in client services I want to overinvest in hiring people who are experts uh, and who can communicate with clients and I want to underinvest in uh, salespeople you know, cause salespeople are overrated in my kind of business. You know, it's not, you don't need a salesperson. What you really need is the ability to do such a good job that people are going to refer you out.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and then, and at a certain size, there are certain sales channels and sales folks you might need to bring in and, and various, you know, there, there are things you might do on that, but for my type of business, You know that one. If I boiled it down to one metric, that's the one, and uh, and and that does drive our company strategy, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all about uh, expansion through through delivery of services. Um, So, you know, I'm a big believer in in trying to to make sure that you have a real strategy for your business, or that that actually makes sense. That is, you know, that's what you know that's going to dictate what mess you know what what where you're going to allocate resources. So, you know, m- meanwhile for other businesses, it might be a churn and burn kind of strategy where you're just going to try to get, you know, thousands of clients knowing that you're going to lose hundreds of them and uh and and your growth is going to come from just continually feeding that, you know, that cycle. And it's not at all, you know, it, it doesn't work in in my kind of business cuz my clients are really long-term clients.
0: Yeah. Well, what's you know, I I think that there needs to probably be a combination of the two, but I think in your business especially, if you can generate a lead online or through a referral, yeah. right? I mean, like I think of it, you generate a lead online because somebody saw some piece of content yeah. or video or some ad, right? Then the number of leads that come into your funnel should translate into a number of appointments and or That's opportunities, right? right? Those opportunities, a certain number of opportunities translates into a certain amount of engagements. Right? That's right. And so it's the same thing in our business. I just, yeah. the number I know for on or off dictates everything. It's like number of listings taken. That means that there's something else is wrong if we're not taking it, right? Number of leads coming in might be off. The number of calls being made might be off. The yeah. number, right? So, yeah. But yeah, you could go back and just say, hey, the number of leads. Right? Yeah that I have coming into my business could be the, and I would almost say that that, that it's like that for any business, right? Yeah. The number of opportunities coming in. Yeah.
1: Right? So I, I want to ask, is there anything that you think of as the worst thing about being CEO? Anything you don't like?
0: I mean, there, there are times when I'm like, okay, um, you're carrying a lot of people, a lot of responsibility on your yeah. shoulders. And especially during a time like COVID, you yeah. know that it doesn't matter if you feel bad. It doesn't. And, and you you just yeah. have to step up and lead it. But I don't know if I don't like that. I think that that is just part of being a leader, that you've got to step into that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy that process, I think I'm I'm wired to want to do that. Um, but there are times where you're like, okay, this is a lot. I got a lot on my shoulders. How am I gonna manage the stress involved with all of this? So I as the longer the longer I'm doing this, the more I realize stress management for a CEO is really, really, really important, right? Yeah. Because there's everybody reaches a certain everybody's capable of a certain amount of stress, whatever that is, like maybe my maybe my level of taking stress is higher than yours. But yeah. at some point I'll reach my capacity and you right. re- you'll reach yours. And then you have to learn how to manage that um to get to the next level, whether it's meditation or yeah. yoga or working out. And so um I don't think there's anything I I love I love what I do, right? Yeah. Um I love I like I like here. all
2: those
1: th- I like all those three things. I like yoga. I like meditation. I like working out. Um, I might not do all of them as much as I'd like to, but I do all of them. I actually have incorporated now in over the years and I fall back on all of them as a, and it really does help with stress and, and just kind of overall mental health.
0: You know, what's interesting, you know, when you think about it, if, if you really build your ideal business, which they talk about this in, the, in this book, when you have, then, then what you've done is you're really just a CEO a uh, you're teaching people how to think and you're a coach and you're a consultant, right? You shouldn't be the one yeah. putting out the fires you shouldn't right. be the one doing all like you are you're the one that essentially have put in the right people in the right seats and you letting them lead and all you're doing is asking great questions yeah and, and um, giving them perspective about how to move things forward. And so for me, the journey is how do I get, you know, and I think every, the journey of every, how do I get better at that? Right. Yeah. How do I continue shed shedding different roles that do cause, cause me stress. So then you don't need the, the, the meditation if you don't want it. Right. Cause you've got somebody yeah. else. It's like, listen, yeah. it's not, it's not me to, to deal with that. Um, it's somebody else's job to deal with that. Now that said, as ceo you're always the one responsible at the end of the day the buck the buck falls with you right so that's right uh, but i think where people get really stressed out is when they're trying to do too many things
2: yeah you have I, too
0: I, many people coming to you too many fires that you're putting out right like no, then then you've built you built an organization that essentially everybody comes to you because you're the guy that solves all the problems and really that shouldn't be the job right yeah
1: yeah, that's right. And, and I would say, I actually, I like those three things, even beyond the stress management. Sure. And that, you know, I, um, I, I agree, like, I, I think that, you know, well, the other thing about this whole topic of stress management is, you know, we've all got probably our breaking point. And it's, and I think as we go, we kind of understand what that breaking point is better. Um, but we also have our optimal performance threshold where, you know, the right amount of stress will make you bring out your peak performance and, you know, and, and the first, you know, and, and that's really, I think where we want to be, obviously we want to be performing at the peak level. We want to, you know, be making the, giving the right input, the right advice and all that. And so, you know, I think that, that a lot of it is, is, you know, managing ourselves just to bring out our best.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I've never, um, Again, you go back to that that book, built to sell. I'm just yeah. thinking about this, right? It, the whole purpose of him wanting to go down that journey was so that he could sell his business. Yeah. But once he built the business that he loved and he stayed in his superpower, it was like, why would I ever sell this business? Right? Yeah. It brings me joy, gives me time. Right. Uh, uh, I'm surrounded by people that I love. You know so th- so that becomes the journey. It's like, hey, can I build something that essentially helps me complete my big why and everybody's yeah. big why is different right like and 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 many entrepreneurs are, are, or business owners, CEOs are are tr- are on that journey to figure out what is it that truly fulfills yeah. me right And how does this business impact that thing? right yeah. You've got to connect those two things at least I believe you have to connect those two things because our business is so much a part of who we are, right? It's a conduit to be, to, to magnify whatever it is that you want to kind of deliver to the world. Right. So I always look at Richard Branson who, you know, his, his core value is business, business is there to do good. Right. And he believes that he believes that all business is there to do good. And so, building a business magnifies that thing for him. Um, yeah. which I think is really cool, right? Like I, I, I love that.
1: I love that too. I love that too. Um, now you've given us some great stuff today and there are three books you've recommended. I've gotten the names of two of them here though, so you have built to sell, which you and I both love who, yep. not how, uh, yep. the second one, which I'm going to go out and get. And then I, I added this third one that, that you sort of referred to about love languages. Do you do you yeah. could you give that as a as a test to you know kind of a you know as you're you're working people through your yeah, hierarchy.
0: The, five, the five love languages. The
1: five, five love languages. Five
0: love language. Now the other one I'll give that I I I man I could give you book after book. But um Principles by Ray Dalio was another one that I really enjoyed reading. Um it, it's a it's a deep book. Uh yeah. it's a great book. Um so many nuggets in his book. I mean, just he's he's really broken it down and thought about it. And um, and I love how he describes it, right? I, just yeah. how he, he kind of talks about it. So I'll probably read or listen to that book again here yeah. this this year, right?
1: Yeah, that's been on my list. I'll have to move that up my list. Oh, um, it's
0: an amazing book. It's an amazing book.
1: All right. So I'm going to put these in the show notes. So we got four books here that 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 Rob is recommending. And uh, you know, really appreciate you being on the show. This has been awesome to have you here. Um, any anything else? Any anything else you wanna you wanna uh you wanna mention as we wrap up? Any any projects you're doing you wanna tell about or um, anything else that, that we didn't touch on?
0: No man, I'm 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 honored that you asked me to be on here. I think um this is a, a cool little series, right? It'd be great. Yeah. To, kind of get everybody's journey on what it what it looks like to to you know become a ceo and you know there's one thing that's interesting that one entrepreneur that i told you about yeah he um you know he ended up selling his company for hundreds of millions of dollars right the the very the first one that i worked for um, still very active in the you know in the business even though he sold it like yeah. he loves he loves that but i remember maybe f- 15 16 years um later after I, you know, I had left, I'd been on my own for about 15 years, he said to me something that I thought was really interesting. He said, Um, I'm he's like, I, I consider myself a CEO now.
2: Huh. He's like,
0: I feel like I'm actually a CEO now. Right. Now the interesting thing is I always saw him as the CEO, right? Yeah. He was always the, the the chief visionary officer there. He was pushing, he was driving, you know. But it was an interesting comment because, along the way, you know, as you're going through this leadership journey, sometimes there's a lot of self-judgment, right? On like, oh, I'm not like. In my mind, he was an amazing leader, but 15 years later, that's when he was like, I think I'm I I can I'm an actual CEO now, right?
1: That's fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. that's fascinating, and 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 I, I will say, like, I I actually did not my goal was not to be CEO. I wanted to build something. I wanted to, to, you know, foster great relationships. You know, I that's essentially what I wanted to do was like, I wanted to build something that was a positive place for people to create their careers. Um, like that was much more my motivation. Um, and, and I feel like I'm growing into like I feel more and more like a CEO as I, as I go, but, but it's, it's interesting because it's not a natural identity for me.
0: Well, you're more than likely, you know, a visionary. So if you read the book, rocket fuel, another great book, right. Um, You're probably the visionary there. And that's why my, on my card it says chief visionary officer. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a CEO running the business. I want to lead the direction. I want to lead the passion. I want to lead the people. Right. And so, uh, in that book, Rocket Fuel, they talk about the visionary and the integrator, right? And the integrator is the person that just gets things done, and the visionary is there, you know, taking you know the the organization in a direction. I love that. Yeah. So it's it's another good one. So yeah, I will leave you with that, my friend. Thank you so much for having having thank me. Thank you,
1: as always. Awesome to talk to you, and uh, this is this is going to be a great uh, great episode. Sounds great, man. Take care. Hey, thank you.